0: Hello, fearless fundraisers. This is Benjamin Farrell of Custom Benefit Auctions, and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or a seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising so let's get going right away because i've got a, a, a fantastic fundraiser and recent award winner with me today and so i'm super fired up now she is working with canine companions i cannot wait to hear how you've been getting through the pandemic but it is janine Konopelski. so janine thank you thank you for being with us today
1: oh thank you it's great being here
0: Well, and big congratulations on Storyteller of the Year. I mean, every fundraiser knows the power of a story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your organization and, you know, your effective storytelling?
1: Well, we're so excited to have been awarded Storyteller of the Year. Uh, It really what you know, it's been a challenge year for everybody. Um, You know, and at Canaan Companions, it really has been no different with the pandemic. Uh, But what we do is Canaan Companions train service dogs for, children, adults and veterans with disabilities. And um, after the dogs are matched with their human partners, we continue to provide training and support to those teams to ensure that they have the independence that they desire when they're out in public and at home. And thanks to our donors, we do it all free of charge.
0: Oh, well, okay. you're you are singing music to all of our ears right there, because uh, even if we don't know uh, about your organization personally, immediately we can all visualize the impact that these um, amazing animals are having with uh, people who really need them. So how did you come to find yourself working for a great organization like this?
1: Uh, well, um, you know, I'm, we're I'm actually headquartered out in California, in Northern California. And um, at the time, I was actually out on the East Coast and uh, working in, in private industry and uh, been doing marketing all my life and had an opportunity for a, a bit of a career change. And I think, you know, what the, the, the old... Uh, saying of, you know, when you work for a nonprofit, things will be slower and easier and, you know, you just kind <laughs> of coast and that as as we all now know, working in nonprofit, uh, that's just not the case. So um I've been with canine companions for 15 years and uh been able to really you know, build up a team as the organization continues to grow. Uh, Canine Companions um, has six uh, training centers throughout the country. So um, we have a lot of different areas where we have a presence. And um, it, it all started, you know, in Santa Rosa, California, back in 1975 in a In a small garage where um, our founder saw that um, when she was traveling in Europe, she actually saw donkeys that were um, doing physical tasks for people and thought wow you know we've heard of guide dogs for people that are blind, what if we had a dog that can do physical tasks so. She created Canine Companions and the concept of dogs, helping people with physical disabilities, doing things like picking up items that are out of reach or flipping on a light switch, pulling a wheelchair, um, the dogs learn over 45 commands by professional trainers and, um, you know, but we couldn't do it all without our volunteers that so we have a team of 5000 volunteers, they help care for the puppies when they're born they raise them for a year and a half teach them commands take them out and about, um, and then of course the great volunteers that we have that assist with events and fundraising and outreach uh, they're all really amazing.
0: Well, if uh, you're listening to this podcast right now and you heard the you heard the phrase 5000 volunteers, you may have slammed on your brakes right there. That is something to be celebrated. And how about the longevity? 1975. I mean, what what an amazing journey. And also that reminder that if you recognize that you can do some good in the world there are going to be plenty of people that want to rally and help you to do your very best. And 15 years uh as a fundraiser my hat goes off to you because we certainly know how demanding you may have come to this organization saying yes i've done quite a bit of work in marketing and they said good that will be one of the 50 things that you'll be doing <laughs> so exactly. um as as your role has evolved how did storytelling uh how did storytelling really emerge as one of your you know best tactics for connecting with these volunteers and owners
1: yeah, good question. I mean, we've always utilized storytelling uh, when we've been talk when we talk about our clients. And um, not only are the dogs wonderful in helping them, you know, our clients are are wonderful and they're really um, overcoming challenges that um, many of us have no idea, you know, how they get through the day. And um, and then when they have this really great dog to to assist with that, um, it's really amazing. And I think what's changed a lot over the years, of course, would be online. And social media. Um, and that really um, gives us opportunity for even more storytelling, which is great. And utilizing, um, you know, your, your, your messaging, you have to tell your story a little bit different depending on the, the channel and the medium. Um, but in the end, they're all stories. And um, as long as you kind of follow that, um, making a connection with a person and, and, you know, really, it's a great way to build a relationship with the donor.
0: Well, it really is. And because people remember stories and they share great stories and that allows your mission to kind of live on in the hearts and minds of everyone that hears it. I I can remember being so interested in storytelling and I think it was maybe Daniel Pink in one of his books. He said uh, one of the great storytelling methods has been mastered by, uh, you know, one of the California companies, Pixar, right? Pixar and all their great stories. He said they follow this model and every story is told the same way, which is, you know, once upon a time, this was someone's condition. Uh and it was this way each and every day until one day, which was maybe the obstacle, something to overcome. <clears throat> and because of that, there's a little change there, because of that, they needed help, they needed support, they needed something. And then along came the hero. The hero helped them on this journey until finally, yes, 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 here is the outcome. So I'm wondering if you have Some sort of model of storytelling or a framework. So if someone is maybe new to fundraising, they said, I just don't know how to get concise or the best way to tell a story. Do you have a a framework or a guide that someone who's listening now could could follow to help them?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's all about the story arc. Right. And you and you really described it there. So. Um, you want to build that connection so you you need to re- be relatable in some way um, for me when i first came to canine companions it was you know i had a, a young child who's who's grown now it you know it was all about these children and oh my goodness you know what these parents go through to try to ensure their their children have independence so you know starting at the beginning and getting to know and understand um the, the situation um, and you know sort of the uh, the 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 space that they're currently in and, and then take them through that experience of, you know, for us, it's sort of what it takes to apply for a dog and the weight and, you know, then coming to our, our, our training classes and like, which dog am I going to get? And there's that suspense, if you will, and you're, you're kind of, you know, up there at the beginning of the arc. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, this, the, the emotion and, and the happiness and the result of, um, of what's there. And I think at the very end, um, you know, don't forget that call to action, right? Because you know we're still we're fundraising, we're we're you know, trying to spread awareness for our mission. So um, you know, I think those are really the, the the pieces of that story arc that that we utilize. And sometimes you have time to tell that story. You know, utilizing video obviously is great. Um, But other times, you know, you have a a really brief Instagram story or, you know, a a really short Facebook post like you need to be able to um, edit and flow that so it's, you know, detailed when it when when you can be um, maybe in a direct mail letter, but then a little bit more brief when you're trying to really increase awareness in, in a different medium.
0: Well, that's really great advice because, right, we come to these fundraising conferences. Of course, we are attending Raise right now. And everyone says, gosh, uh, we don't get enough traction on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. And what's the best channel or what do we need to do on LinkedIn? And uh, you really had a great piece of advice, which is make sure that the story you're telling is appropriate for the channel you're using, uh, whether it is the direct mail or video. But most importantly, include that call to action. Like we, we love telling stories and hearing stories, but let's just don't do it for telling a great story's sake. Let's go ahead and get the donors when they're inspired. So what are some of your tips for that call to action? And how do you, how do you include that? Say, we'll just maybe start with some of the social media and then maybe your direct mail piece, but for social media, you see a great video, your heart is warmed by that story. And then how do you, how do you kind of make that ask in the moment uh, for for your donors to make a donation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many different ways and it doesn't have to be the real hard fundraising ask, um, though that is helpful as well, uh, depending on, on, you know, the situation. But, um, you know, for us, we see even just learning more about how to get involved or how to sign up for our emails to hear more stories. Um, sometimes it, it, it takes people a while to, um, you know, come around and, you know, we, we kind of, I, I like the, the marketing role of the five to seven touches, right? So it takes five to seven times before somebody acts or has any kind of action. So you need to keep telling that story and, Um, when they finally like oh you know go by that billboard the fifth time they're like oh that organization I'm going to go online and check it out Uh, so the call to action doesn't necessarily have to be um, a a very direct ask you can take them through a journey Um, we also utilize uh, welcome series via email so if we have if we send an email out and um, somebody subscribes to our emails, but they haven't made a donation yet, we we continue to tell them stories about the organization and usually with the link to then go to the website to learn more about a particular piece. Um, and then, you know, when you're doing a fundraising campaign, we have um it's only September, but we have our end of year um, very important fundraising season coming up. You know, that's when you want to start to really be more direct and 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 really have a direct ask of what the need is and um and how they can help and why they'd want to get involved. So I think just like um, you know, with social media in a lot of cases, we'll have a story, a video, and then um the um People there on our, our social page will be able to start commenting and talking about their experience with the organization and how to get involved, how they got involved. So the storytelling keeps going. That's the great thing about social networking, right? Um, it's a little bit different than the direct mail piece. So usually with direct mail, we, we're, we have a much uh, stronger ask and, and call to action.
0: Well, I think that's really important for anybody listening here, that you are able to segment your donors, that you're building an email list, that you know which list is on which journey with you, and that you can map this out in advance, knowing that we're going to follow your five to seven touches routine, which of course is very important. Uh, One thing that Um, a lot of people seem to struggle with is having that consistency, that consistency and delivering that same message across all those channels. But I think um, what we're hearing from you, which is working is a consistent message and the first one doesn't have to be the direct ask, but of course, you're bringing them along uh, that that journey with the email communication. Have you seen any changes, of course, over the pandemic? I mean, that seems like a silly question, of course. But have you had to make any radical changes about email communication or open rates? People are always eager. Man, what's the best email we can send right now?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, really, if we go back to the beginning of the pa- pandemic, um back in um in march we everybody had to reconnect right so um we had events that were supposed to be in person. Um, at the time we actually had, um, we were getting ready for a big campaign around national puppy day and we had plans for our volunteers to go out and do outreach and be out in their communities and, and, and talk about the puppies. And then of course, you know, that changed. So, um, when we had to then go to, more of an email campaign and to try to do all of that online um, click-through rate became really important. Um, Luckily we have cute puppies and we (laughs) have, um, you know, amazing client stories, but um, you know, that is really one way that, um, you know, having an engaging subject line so that um, again, just thinking of the story arc so that they know what, what, so you, you know pique their interest, so they know what might be inside and, and to get them to act. I mean, one thing that happened with the pandemic for us as well is we, since we couldn't be out and about um, for this this puppy day, we decided to bring the puppies to the world and we implemented a live stream of puppies that were recently born. (laughs) Um, luckily it was at the home of one of our staff members. So she was able to set up the camera and, and, um, you know, you could tune in while you're home and, you know, kind of in the shutdown and not able to go out and watch these cute puppies, whether they were playing or eating or just sleeping, sometimes just watching them sleep was, was helpful. And, um, you know, that was a way that we, there wasn't a direct ask to that, right? It, but that was a way to, to bring people um, into the mission and to make them aware of, gosh, this is really what our, the volunteers are doing. They're caring for all these, these puppies to, you know, try to make them future service dogs. And um, I think, you know, we, we had, we had some major corporations stream it. Um, for their workers when they were on their lunch break and they could tune in and (laughs) have some great media with it. And, you know, we had um, upwards of almost 70,000 hours logged of these puppies.
0: Yeah, I wish I'd known about that. Uh, Sadly, I was not made aware of this, but I could have probably used a little time there to see some puppies to uh, keep us going during those, certainly during those early weeks of the pandemic. Well, you know, stories really, really stay with me uh, across all these fundraising events. And uh, I remember one specifically where a young man was really battling a congenital heart defect and uh, really struggling. Body was really, really struggling. And it was in the hospital and had been in the hospital for in a pretty critical situation for 100 days straight. And you can imagine um, not feeling very good, not feeling very positive. And so his mom decided she was gonna throw him a party. And so she went and contacted the choir from church and she was picking up balloons and gathering friends. they were just going to come down just to throw a big party to cheer her son up. And he called her while she was gone and said, I don't know exactly what's going on, mom, but they've not brought me my lunch yet. And I'm getting pretty hungry. I think they've I think they've forgotten. And so she called the station there like any good mom would do to really figure out and get to the bottom of this. And they said, well, we knew you were coming back. We didn't want to alarm you, but there is a chance that a heart is on the way for a heart transplant. And here she was planning the party first with no idea. And sure enough, by the time she got back, they said, it's definitely a go. Her son went into surgery, received a heart transplant. And then he, this was in a live event, but he came out onto the stage and said, from the bottom of my new heart, I wanna thank all of you, right? It was such a moving moment of, you know, never forgotten it. And so I think of stories like this, and I would imagine you maybe have one or two. So if people are listening, do you have a, a story like that where uh, a great um, one of these great companions has been paired with somebody and their life has just really been changed up because of it?
1: It's a hard question because there are so many. I think, you know, at, at K9 Companions, um, one thing that happens is we um, bring the the person to one of our training centers, and um, they're actually staying there in our guest rooms, and they're training for over two weeks to learn the commands that the dog already knows, and we're doing that match, and um, after a few days, we the, the person gets what we call a pre-match, and they Get this time to see this dog that might be their forever dog. And they get to take that dog with them back to their, their guest room. And, um, time and time again, we hear of, this is the first time that my child slept through the night mm. and they don't even really have that bond yet with the dog. And so you could only imagine, um, what that life transformation is going to be like for that child. Um, you know, we have, uh, a stories of um, you know some of the tasks that our dogs can do. Um, there was an individual that worked at a large office building and she utilized a wheelchair. And by the time she got from the parking spot into the building, you know, across the parking lot, into the building, up the elevator to her desk, and she was exhausted. And those are the things that we just don't always um, think about. Um, And so once she had her dog, the very first time when that dog was able to pull her across the parking lot and um, help relieve her muscles and her strength, um, it, it was a new world for her. And she just, she, Excelled in her business and um, you know went on to um, do really amazing things. So you know we have a lot of really heartwarming stories. I think a lot of them too. um, When you have a really great photo, and then and you have a great story, like it's even better when you combine the two. Um, And and this is really what happened with with the pandemic. We had a really great photo of one of our volunteers, and um, she's a doctor at a hospital and was working in the emergency room, um, back in March. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was a volunteer raising a puppy for us. And she, um, had her dog with her. Um, she took a break with the dog. Um, Mm -hmm. somebody snapped a photo and with her and her scrubs with her face mask. And, um, you could just tell she was exhausted and, um, you know, that image really went viral. And once we were able to attach the story to that image, um, she actually did a Facebook live event for us to talk a little bit about what she was going through and, and, and how the puppy was really helping others there. Um, But, you know, once we were able to connect that, that photo to the story, um, that's when the awareness really, really kind of kicked off. So, um, you know, the stories are everywhere. It's happening with our clients, it's happening with our volunteers. And um, I think, you know, we like to, To tell our our volunteers when they're trying to explain uh, the organization and, you know, why they volunteer at Canine Companions or why they're a donor at Canine Companions uh, to tell the story that they know everybody, um, you know, within the organization sees our story stories, hears our stories, reads them. And there's usually one that really resonates with them. And, and that that's the kind of information that, um, you know, continuing to share and telling your personal experience um, is really the best.
0: Well, I mean, so, so absolutely true. And so you think about the stories, I mean, oftentimes in the world of nonprofits, we may focus on one area, maybe that's the person who is receiving the benefit of the service you're providing. But of course let's not overlook the stories of transformation within the staff, the stories of transformation within the volunteers. I mean, our volunteers are of course, one of our greatest, greatest assets. And I think it just reminds us of that basic human uh, need that we have to contribute I mean there is a real power and significance when you realize you're you're doing more for others uh, than you are for yourself I think that's where so much personal growth happens where you have the greatest rewards I mean, I'm often reminded this is a, probably an old story for so many people, but the gentleman who um, I saw him speak and he said, I've been very successful in business. Uh, I don't mind saying that I'm a uh, that he may, may have been a billionaire at that point, certainly a multimillionaire. <clears throat> he said, so I went out and he goes, I wasn't very happy, though. And so I went out and bought a bunch of stuff. Uh, he said, I thought all this stuff that I would have would certainly make me happy. He said, and then it did for a little while, but then, and then it didn't. So I bought bigger, better stuff. I got a bigger boat and I got a second house. And then that wore off. He said, so then I bought a football team, a professional football team. I thought, how great will this be? Sure enough. It did not satisfy uh, his personal needs. He said, there's just got to be something more. So a friend of his at the time said, we're going over to Bosnia during, of course, that terrible uh, civil conflict that they had. And he said, we're going to pass out wheelchairs. And um, they went over there and they had some wheelchairs and they were lifting children up, putting them into these wheelchairs for the first time. And one person grabbed this gentleman around his neck, one young person talking 100 miles an hour, nonstop talking. And he said, what's he saying? Is everything okay? What is he saying? He said, well, this young man is telling you that he wants to memorize your face. So when he sees you in heaven, he can thank you one more time. And he said, everything in my life changed at that moment. Came back to the United States, founded the Wheelchair Foundation. Who knows what they've given now? Last time I checked, it was like 1.2 million wheelchairs. So I think it's so important that everyone listening, keep telling those stories, not just for the people you serve, but the people who are also serving you. So you are volunteers. I got to ask this because I mean, the volunteers are the driving force. Uh, What is one of the ways, obviously, your story's out there. You've been around since 1975. But what is one way that you are recruiting great new volunteers?
1: Well, we do... um... Normally through events. Right. So um, normally we you need a big manpower of volunteers when you're um, implementing events. And, um, you know, we're we're trying to keep that going. And even in, in the virtual world. So we um, we do utilize uh, the D de- do-it-yourself fundraising uh, website um, online where people could go in and and create their own sort of um, peer-to-peer activity. And people have gotten creative during the pandemic. So we've had some virtual puppy visits where somebody will um say you know make a donation to my to my fundraiser and i'll invite you to a, a zoom meeting and you can meet my puppy and i'll show you all the great things they're doing or um you know having uh, and then so that actually opens up um uh, uh, the volunteers are inviting the volunteers that people that they know to to come join the organization so um you know that's one way um i think you know we also um look at uh but we would, you know, lead generation. Like, how do we do some ads? How do we let people know that that don't know us? Um, you know, let's say on Facebook, for example. Um, to to engage them in the mission, if we know that they love dogs and they want to help people, you know, this is really the organization for them. So you have to do a bit of that outreach, and I think doing more online right now is is, is uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, hopefully, when we're when we're back more in person, we'll we'll begin with the usual um, the usual ways of um, capturing people during our events. Um, and then, you know, also, Ben, just back to what you were saying about um, that wonderful story. I, I think, you know, organizations should really tell their donor stories. Mm-hmm. Like it's important to tell your client stories and you need to tell your volunteer stories. But the donors are coming to you for a reason. They have their own story. And uh, make sure that you're including that in, in your plans when you're working on your communication plans.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great advice. And, you know, RAISE is all about events. So uh, RAISE, conference here monday and tuesday all about fundraising events so i'm sure people are wondering sounds like you did some peer-to-peer which is great you are diversifying the ways that you're connecting which of course is uh, useful and helpful um but looking forward you got a big event coming up you said there's a big push here fundraising season in the fall um are you still having events are you going to have them virtual or are you thinking about a combination maybe hybrid or where are you on the on the event continuum
1: Yeah, this is our busy time, September through November, and um, we've probably had about 12 events on the books. We have an event called Dog Fest that is normally an in-person event where you bring your dog and, you know, and have a great time, family fun with uh, a lot of different activities for dogs. So um, we're we're going virtual in a lot of places with that. Um, In some areas where there's a lot of open space, we're still able to have some of that gathering. So we're looking at really doing that hybrid and unfortunately we have uh, three big galas that were um, planned that are are now going virtual Um, so but we're able to we're utilizing the one cause software to um, be able to kind of keep our um, our usual um, event auction and silent auction live auction and you know utilize the software to still have people participate Um, for those that have already purchased tickets we're giving them a little incentive um, you know maybe a little gift in the mail or something like that to um, to say thank you for continuing to support us. So, um, the the for as far as event goes uh, for the next few months, it will we're we're really looking at a lot more virtual, a little bit of hybrid, and we're hoping that the um, the the folks still show up and they they don't have that virtual event fatigue quite
0: yet. No, 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 no virtual event fatigue. I feel like that's uh, I don't know who started that rumor, but, you know, someone said, I don't know, it's just too much screen time. I said, well, how long have Americans been watching TV? That certainly hasn't diminished. So I'm not sure I'm ready to agree with that. Well, now I got to ask you as an auctioneer, I'm hearing about these live auctions. So do you have um, you have a story of something that was really fun and exciting that you sold in your live auction that was a big hit?
1: Well, you know, back to the puppies, we have a, a spend a day with the litter. So, um, you know, <laughs> we have volunteers that are caring for our dogs, and they're gracious enough to open up their homes to, uh, to, to our supporters that um, purchase the auction item, and they have a, a lovely lunch in, in wine country and an opportunity to play with puppies and to really learn more about um, how those dogs are learning and, and, and all about the mission. So that is really probably one of our, uh, you know it's it's a trip if if you have to come out to Northern California, um, so but if you're here, it's really probably one of our uh, most popular.
0: Oh, well, I can imagine. I mean, who doesn't want to hang out with a litter of puppies right there? I mean, it's nothing but all smiles and uh, uh, less bark and more wags, right? We love it. We love it. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you one great one that re- revolves around a pet owner. Um, a local brewery, a microbrewery said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it available for you and a small group of your friends. I think it was maybe four people, maybe maybe six people to come to the brewery and craft your very own specialty microbrew." You get to select the ingredients, but we'll we will help you not make any terrible mistakes there. You pick the ingredients. You're going to make this this batch of beer and you're going to get to give it your very own name. And on top of that, we're going to make a custom label to this beer and you can put your pet's face on the can. And this woman won this package. She named her beer the Big Ear Brown Ale and her dog's face was proudly displayed. It was so, so much fun. So when they canned it all, of course, she had they, they they sold it, turned it into an ongoing fundraiser. But it's just so, so much fun you can do with um, the pets that we love and the animals we love. So um, I can't believe we're, we're, I'm saying this, but we're we're just about out of time. So, Janine, I want to ask you something. But, you know, people are tuning in. They definitely want to improve their fundraising. And so as it relates to storytelling uh, or really anything that um, that you have learned along the way in your fundraising journey of so many years here. Is there one tip, one bit of advice that you could share with someone listening that uh, no matter if they're a one person army, they're a large national organization that they could put into practice that would help them with their storytelling or, and help them with their fundraising?
1: That's a really great question. Um, You know, yeah, I think uh, really, you know, if you lean into what those client stories are and the people that you're helping um, doing an interview, you know, sometimes people are afraid to, they'll just want to kind of capture something from an email or Um, you know, some kind of survey that might have been completed, a satisfaction survey, um, but talk to them. And I think once you have that interaction with that client, that volunteer, the donor to really understand, um, you know, their situation and, uh, what that story arc is. Um, it's time consuming, I know. Um, but that's where you're really going to learn about the stories that are really going to be able to make impact, um, either through awareness or, or, or direct fundraising. So give it a try.
0: Give it a try, everyone. I know you're listening. You you hear it, write it down, mark it down and get on your calendar and schedule when you're going to have your next interview. Because, right, you don't know unless you ask. And so many times when you ask the great questions. We were always wowed and amazed with the answers. And that could be the next story that can propel your next great fundraising event. Uh, Janine, this has been an absolute joy speaking with you. I want to congratulate you once again on your Storyteller of the Year. And I know people are listening and we know people love what you do. So how can they learn uh, more about Canine Companions? And uh, if they want to get in touch with you, how could they do that?
1: Oh, thank you so much. We're so excited to be named Storyteller of the Year. Our team has done such a great job um, getting us there. And um, you can visit our website at canine.org. Um, we're on all the social media channels. Again, canine.org or at Canine Companions. I'm on LinkedIn. And, you know, we're really happy to be able to share any tips and um, help others really tell the great story.
0: Well, Canine.org. Let me just go ahead and salute whoever grabbed that. That's a great title. I'm sure that would be in high demand in today's uh, website uh, title and um, domain name. So, congratulations, Janine. Really, thank you so very much for for sharing all your tips and stories. Congratulations, of course, again on your award and fearless fundraisers. I mean, unfortunately, that is all the time that we've got today. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to thank you all for listening, tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your or daily dose of fundraising inspiration. I'd like to thank our sponsors, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. So be sure to check them out at onecause.com. And so uh, on behalf of my amazing guest, uh, Janine, today, this has been Benjamin Farrell. I want to thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, stay fearless out there, everybody. This has been Raise Nation Radio. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy to use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.